0: Good to have you along. It is three and out on this Thursday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you were with us. A lot to get to here on the show. Josh Aubrey, Statesboro Herald will join us. We'll talk Georgia Southern football with him as the spring game coming up on Saturday. Also, D. Orlando Ledbetter will join us uh, from the AJC. Uh, and we are one week out from the NFL draft. What will the Atlanta Falcons do? We'll get to that with D. Orlando coming up in just a little bit. But the Braves, Ben, lose to the Dodgers. They lose... Two two out of three. Are, are we are we now? It's like, just thank God it's over and you can move on. Or what's your feelings here on a, on a Thursday after that three gamer with the Dodgers? I'm happy it's over. I think the Dodgers are kind of showing that
1: what a guy like Freddie Freeman adds to that already uh, incredible lineup. The Dodgers are always going to be the class of the National League, no matter what. Regardless of who you are and what you are, you everything comes through L.A. Even if Atlanta is the defending World Series champs, I'm happy that it's over, Kevin. Because I think sometimes. You know, you think about you know you are coming off the Padres. And you talk about you talk about uh, Freddie the Dodgers. You talk about the West Coast. Getting back to normalcy, coming back home. Hopefully, it wasn't a, it wasn't the worst thing ever. Like you lost two out of three to the Dodgers. Okay, I I get that part, but you know I know we're gonna get to a dance with Swanson. You know how much longer do you let him play before you pull him because he's definitely in his head right now. I mean, with I mean with everything that's not going on, I'm sorry, people, and I know it was about. You know, the Dodgers. I know it was about Freddie Freeman. Matt Olson is Matt Olson is balling out of his mind right now. And I think what happens, Kevin, is even with you know, even Ron Lacoon, I know he's down there in Jacksonville, you know, rehabbing and doing different things. You got there are some bright spots. I mean, the thing about this Dodgers team, they 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 gon they gonna make life rough on anybody they play. Uh, but I just think that for this for this Braves team, it's about just getting back to some level of stability. I think sure. I think when you are the World Series champ, it's a it's a marathon every year. I'm not saying that, but now it's defending World Series champ. We get it, we get it, we get it. When is it gonna just be just getting back to just playing baseball? You know, getting back to the like I say, the early you know the the, yeah. the 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 early days of spring are gonna become the dog days of summer really really quickly. I just think for this Braves team, get away from L.A., get away from all things Southern California, San Diego, <laughs> and L.A. And now you get back home and hopefully, uh, Kevin, you know, you get back to you wanna win, but you wanna look, you wanna get back to some level of stability. I think, I think too often at times, it's almost like a trickle effect. If the bats ain't going, and you're talking about the starting pitching, and you're talking about the DH, you talk about the bullpen, give me something give me something to build off of because like I said, there's a young man where's number 13. I don't know how much pressure he's putting on Anthopolis to get yeah. back, but I think the young man is going to be back sooner rather than later, so I think I want him to have something worth coming back to. That way, all the pressure – the pressure is going to be on him, but I want him to come back to a team that's already seen to be playing with. Yeah,
0: he's uh, he's the adding piece, not the thank God you showed up. And, yes. But, I mean, this is a team that's still – I mean, they, they lose to the Dodgers yesterday, scored one run. That was in the ninth inning, and uh, kind of that trend continues of if the Braves don't score you seven, eight runs, they're probably not going to win, seemingly. Uh, they just – I haven't been able to win a whole lot of 2-1 ball ballgames uh, to this point. And, again, I think, to me, this was part of it. Uh, we talked, what, Tuesday about the closure process with Freddie Freeman. And I think now that you've been through this series, uh, to me, this is kind of the point where the season settles in and you just play. Because so much, the, the whole last homestand was we won a World Series, uh, you know, to get things started. We're World Series champs. Let's celebrate that. Hell, let's celebrate... Uh, Georgia's championship while we're at it. We're, we're, we're just going to do it all. And that had to be somewhat distracting because it was a big big say say, well, what does that matter when you get between the lines? When you just spent 30 minutes prior to the game getting your range and looking at it, it's like you are thinking about a lot of stuff other than let's go out here and play today. I'm not saying it's affect everybody, but look at the guys that are back from this team and look at the guys uh, that just got to this team. Matt Olsen's ball. I'm not saying it's everybody, but it's like, the guy that you would think had the most pressure is hitting 400. Uh, the guys that you were counting on are, uh, are struggling a little bit. i I, I had this in the notes for uh, a little bit later. I'll go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, ben, you have Matt Olsen's hitting 400. Uh, Austin Riley's hitting close to 300. Congratulations to him. He just had a baby. Why well, he did not play yesterday. But you got Ozzy Alves, Adam Duvall, Dansby Swanson, Rosario, Alex Dickerson, Guillermo Haradia. That's six guys. Now, granted, all of those guys don't play with That is six guys who are batting under 220. Ozzy Albies hits some homers. He's batting 218. That's an all star caliber second baseman who's off to uh, a better start than certainly, uh, you know, Dansby, but a slow start uh, at the plate nonetheless, batting 218. So I'm looking at this team, as you said, the bats have not been all that great uh, consistently. Matt Olson's been good. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, another guy who missed pretty much all last year. He's been good. Uh, at the end of the day, so I, I just I think now that you've got the Freddie thing behind you, the whole Dodgers thing, because that was emotional for Kenley Jansen uh, as well. Going back there, the whole build-up to that, to me now is the series, and maybe it helps also that you're playing the Marlins. Uh, not that the Marlins aren't a good team. They're yeah. projected to finish probably ahead of the Nationals, yeah. but they're just not on the caliber of a Dodgers. It's not, and, and this do, this series doesn't come with all the fanfare and emotion of what you saw in LA of the hey everybody's going to get their rings and now we're going to have the fans get their rings and we're going to celebrate that now we're handing out you know silver slugger awards like settle in and just play baseball yeah. uh, as as a team and I feel like that's yeah. where we're at at this point in the season and I I thought this first stretch 14 games of 14 days with all the emotion the Freddy stuff was going to be interesting they came out of it not awful I mean they're just at, what a couple games under 500 but I feel like now's where hopefully some of these guys can set some of that stuff uh, in the rear view and say, "Hey, now it's just time to settle in and play baseball. Time to settle in. Time to start building some
1: confidence. Time, time to start building some stability. Uh, time, time to start getting more, more reliable in all in all phases of the game. I mean, give, give, the, give the starting pitching some runs that way. Whomever's on the mound can play with a lot more confidence. Not saying, not saying they can't go out there. I mean, I, I just, I just think that there are some, you know, Kyle, you know, more than those guys. You got some, you got some good, good things to go off of." Uh, Kevin, but it's not enough of them. It's it's it spurts of them. I mean, you get a you get you finally get a run in the ninth inning. I mean, the Braves were getting no hit uh, at a certain point. I think when you talk about this Marlins team now, obviously the Braves have uh they have some uh, bad blood when it comes to the Dodgers, but that's usually in the playoffs. They got bad blood when it comes to the Marlins, and and for that young man we just mentioned, Ron Lacuna. Now he's obviously not going to be on the team, you know, for this stretch. I'm going to say this right now. If a Marlins pitcher hits a Braves hitter, bitches should clear because at a certain point, Kevin, <laughs> they should clear for two reasons. One, who the who the hell is the Marlins to be throwing at people? Number one, well, it's been
0: mostly Acuna, but yeah, it won't number be one there.
1: and number two, I think the Braves kind of want to get out some frustration. Like, hey, but I want to hit something. I want to do something. so. I I don't think that's gonna happen. I think that sometimes. I don't understand, you know, because, Kevin, you have to tell me, I understand when it comes to the, the, the rules, the hidden rules, when it comes to baseball, you got this young phenom, let me show him. I'm not going to, yeah, but well, give him something to hit. Quit scared he going to, you know, but he he go yard on y'all all the time. So I think that for me, uh, Kevin, I do agree. Getting back to just w- playing winning baseball doesn't mean you're going to win, but at least you're playing winning baseball. And I do think that with all the guys you just mentioned that's hitting you know, two hundred or less. I mean, those guys got to start contributing because if the bats, I don't need every bat to be on be electric, but I don't need it to just be Olson and Austin Riley. I mean, it's gonna have to be yeah. more of a, a a collective effort. And if they can get back to their winning ways with the Marlins, how much uh, confidence does it build for this team? Because, like I said, it's all about winning the series. I get it. It's all about you know winning in your you know winning your division. I get it. But you're not the game is not won or lost in you know the first two weeks of the season. But I, but I am happy that this is over with because, like I said, Freddie Free being with the Dodgers just makes it even worse because when, he's, when he hit two homers, I mean, Wascar, no, I mean, his first at bat, I mean, he go yard against <laughs> yeah. him. So I, I just yeah. think that for this Braves team, get back to your ways with the Marlins. Don't play down to the Marlins, please. And hopefully, uh, Kevin, you know, we would be looking at a team that's over 500 going into the series yeah, below 500. Yeah, I mean,
0: just look at it, and, and usually baseball is a, a game of trends and runs, and you just look at this lineup and you say, this can't continue, right? I mean, like, it just the, the averages of baseball have to start swinging in their favor of, I mean, you can't have two and three guys hitting under 100. Right? I mean, Alex Dickerson, a DH, uh, Rosario's had to come in and out hitting under under 100. Uh, you know, Dansby Swanson's at, like, 143. It's like this just can't seemingly continue uh, throughout the entirety of this lineup. And now you really see four guys are, are going okay and everybody else Really riding that uh, that struggle bus here early uh, in the season. So much to get to as we talked about. Ben uh, Josh Aubrey going to join us, Statesboro Herald uh, in just a couple moments. Looking forward to talking with him about Saturday. What is he looking for uh, from Clay Helton? And you know, does Clay Helton kind of feel the pressure in the first? I mean, it's not like Nick say like, "Hey, this is our 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 thirteenth spring game in Alabama. Like, I don't care if you like what we do or not." The first one to me when there's a lot of excitement around the coach, it's always interesting because there is some person like, this is what we're going to be. Not, now, are you go- showing everything? No. Are you vanilla? Probably. But you don't want vanilla to look bad, right? I mean, you don't want to say, hey, we played vanilla. Well, coach, you only scored three points in a four-quarter scrimmage. Well, I mean, like, no, you want it to look some- somewhat good. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, you're, you're kind of setting the tone. Oh, yeah, he got, he, of- he
1: got to do the opposite of- the the first year coaches got to do opposite what 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 the, what the, what the coach has been there. You got to show some excitement. I mean, I'm 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 just saying. I mean, because if not, Kevin, you know, Kevin, you know how it is. The one thing about the Georgia Southern faithful, oh, they spoiled now. They, but I, I mean, <laughs> they from, expect from, you from, to come in and win. And, I mean, and, yeah. and, and and the thing is too, why look, why not? Like I get okay, it's called the spring game. What it really is, right? It's half working, half excitement. Right? I want to work on some things. But DBs, let them catch a touchdown. It's fine. It is fine. Like, I get (laughs) it. Like, I think sometimes we make such a big thing about, he threw a pick and, listen, you don't think the defense know what the offense has been doing? They've been going against each other the last month. You don't think that DB don't know that that out and up fixing to come? They know. You still can't hit the quarterbacks. Have some fun. Come out relatively uh, unscathed, no injuries. And Coach Helton, if you bring a former – Georgia Southern Eagle, there. Make sure you tell those guys with pass on, let them throw the ball. I mean, Josh Hamilton is about to throw the pass to Calvin Johnson, and that might have been the best defensive play. I mean, I said, "Yeah, Coach Collins, listen, did you not tell them? I mean, Josh, I mean, Joe Ham get to get the, and I'm going Georgia Tech on you. <coughs> Me and BJ Kevin, uh, is that? Coach uh, Collins' first one. And you know what Coach Collins did the very first play? They were in the triple. And people look like, what? They said, check. And they got an oh, And people clapped. Now, <laughs> it hasn't really been the, the, pr- the prettiest thing since. But that's what he's working at. If you Coach Helton, hey, man, you better do something. Make an announcement. We are not we run the triple or do something. But, yeah, Kevin, be exciting. You know, have some fun out there. Make some plays. But you're probably going to have a lot of Georgia Southern faithful in the crowd watching saying, okay, I want to hear about this Helton dude. I've come from a long way to hear, You know, so we'll see.
0: But I think, I, I think, I think uh, Helton understands this sound. Yeah, we'll uh, chat with Josh Aubrey, Statesboro Herald. When we come back, this is 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. And Georgia Southern's got their spring game coming up uh, this weekend, this Saturday in Statesboro. Clay Hilton will take his team out there for the first time for our public eyes to uh, see. Joining us here from the Statesboro Herald, Josh Aubrey joins us. Josh, welcome. How are you? All
2: right, doing good, Kevin. Thanks.
0: Appreciate you coming on and uh, and joining us. So, Clay Helton, obviously he had a lot of time in the fall to get to know his team. He's had a chance to go recruiting. Saturday's kind of the first time he'll be out there in front of everybody in mass. What are you
2: expecting? You know, I think he's probably going to keep it fairly vanilla. You know, they've kind of put restrictions on us as far as taking pictures or video. Now, I have sat through the scrimmages, and I've been very impressed um, But I don't know how much of that he wants out there. So he may go a little more vanilla than what they've been working on uh, so far in the spring. Or then again, I don't know, it might be time to unveil to the public, you know, what what they can expect. I I think there'll be a good crowd out there. And, uh, you know, I've been really impressed by everything around the program right now.
1: And, Josh, I mean, obviously you we, uh, we talk about uh, something like a spring game. I mean, most coaches are, are going to keep it vanilla. But do you think it's still going to be some some element to the flair? I know I know that Coach Helton is a is a guy that's very, very established. I mean, everybody, you know, obviously he sent Shockwaves waves when uh, Jared Binko was able to go land him when he was the first guy to essentially uh, get uh, let go. When you talk about last year's coaching carousel, do you think he gives some cinemas of some level of excitement just to kind of seem like he's appeasing to the crowd?
2: I would think they want to sell tickets. And I would think that, that Jared Benko wants him to do as much as he can to try to keep the people out there happy. I, I imagine, you know, we're going to probably see some some impressive things on offense. I've really loved what I've seen from Kyle Van He's the quarterback who's come in from Buffalo, and he can really spin it. And he's he's one of the first quarterbacks I've seen in a while who you see do checkdowns. I mean, you just don't see that at Georgia Southern because it's primarily a run-option-oriented team, so you just haven't seen that kind of stuff. But they've got guys out there making plays, and i tell you, the, the, the number one area where I've thought Georgia Southern has struggled in the past few years has been the offensive line. I have watched those guys quite a bit. They're led by Richard Owens, who comes to Georgia Southern from UAB, where he did a heck of a job. There he also played four years at Louisville, spent five years in the NFL. This coaching staff that Helton has put together have got some really impressive credentials, and I think a lot of them took some pay cuts to come to Georgia Southern. And, and I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised by some of the things they see out there, with especially that offensive line who I think have struggled the past few years they have done a really good job in the scrimmages so far with pass protection, especially.
0: Josh Aubrey, Statesboro Herald, joining us here on three and out. You mentioned the quarterback Kyle Van Trees. Uh, I know that you have Sigleski, Cam Ransom, some guys back there. Is it Kyle Van Trees? Best you could tell, is going to be the guy that's your your number one after spring's over.
2: The only thing that would stop that is if somebody came in through the the, the portal. That was just going to knock your socks off. I just, I can't see anybody taking Kyle Van Tries' spot. He's just, he carries himself like a vet, you know, like that he, that he is. Somebody who's started in uh, college football games before. Sigelski has impressed me because it seems like he's moved himself into the number two spot currently right now. And Cam has struggled in all the scrimmages that I've seen, uh, he's it looks like down to like the three guy right now. And they've got a couple of freshmen with David Dallas who hasn't been able to play in the spring, but he's been there. He's had a little bummed up shoulder, but he should be back. And then Zach Roseman's the other quarterback who's a true freshman, who's looked pretty good. But I still think there's gonna be some noise after the spring with the transfer portal with Georgia Southern getting a few guys. Whether that's a quarterback, I don't know. I would imagine maybe a couple offensive linemen, maybe a couple linebackers.
1: And Josh, speaking of uh, you know, speaking of uh, you know, uh, different things in the spring. I mean, uh, utilizing the tight end a lot of the latest package. I mean, a new wrinkle to the offense. Talk about the tight end position and how Coach Helton is, uh, you know, kind of taking a kind of taking a you know uh, something out of the book of when you look at what tight ends bring to the table now, both collegially and in uh, the National Football League. Talk about what them tight ends been showing in uh, Statesboro. Yeah,
2: well, in the last scrimmage, they threw a couple of seam routes to the tight ends that worked really well um you know i've been impressed by the guys that they've been able to rotate in now they've the, the number one guy returning is probably bo johnson but so far they've had other guys uh stepping up ethan durham is a guy that comes to georgia southern from mercer he's a 6'2 225 pound junior and he made a couple of touchdown catches uh where he went went Right down the middle of the field, and and made a couple of athletic plays. So, I think they've got a little bit of depth at tight end. That might not that might be a position that they might go out and get another transfer guy. But right now, they look pretty solid there. And uh, Brian Ellis, you know, from Western Kentucky, is the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, he knows a lot about uh, putting up points and throwing the ball. And it seems like they're finding a lot of different ways to be able to get different people involved.
0: I was going to say, uh, Josh, is this an offense that's obviously coming out of, uh, you know, Chad Lunsford style, you're set up to run the ball with, with what you recruited. Do they have enough to kind of make it 50, 50, or is this a, a team that's still going to run it a lot? Or do you expect to see a whole lot of, uh, you know, flinging it around?
2: I expect that it will be a lot closer to 50, 50. you know, right now it might be in the scrimmages, they may be throwing it a little bit more just to kind of get used to it because they feel like maybe they know what they're doing on the ground. Now, with Jalen White, Gerald Green, and JD King coming back, I think they're pretty stacked at running back. The problem in the past has been that the offensive line, to be honest, from what I see, a lot of times has not opened up the holes for those guys. Now, in the scrimmages, when they've had to run, they've looked all right. It hasn't been, it's been a lot of draws. They're playing a single back. Uh, often, so There's only one running back back there, which is real unusual for Georgia Southern. But I think they've got enough with running backs, but I really do expect it to be closer to
1: 50-50. Josh, how, I mean, how how has the defense been looking this spring?
2: Yeah, well, you know, the defensive coordinator that I brought in, Will Harris from Washington, is another guy that's just really impressed me when I've talked to him, when I've been able to watch what they do. They do a lot of attacking. Now, I don't know if they're holding some back They return a lot of guys, you know, up front. Um, The defensive backs look pretty solid. They've got a couple of young guys they're working in. The one area that I think is where they might go after some transfer guys and where they really kind of struggled a little bit last year, and that's at linebacker, which is unusual because that's where Georgia Southern has usually been pretty solid. Uh, Right now their linebacker core is still maybe a little thin, Um, but overall, the defense, I expect to be one of the strengths of the team, especially up front where they've got a lot of fourth- and fifth-year guys coming back, some sixth.
0: Josh Aubrey, Statesboro Herald, joining us here on 3 and Out. Special teams obviously has looked uh, pretty good. Georgia Southern's really kind of built quite the pipeline there with special teams. Brenton Williams has looked good. I would imagine they have to feel pretty confident with what they have there.
2: Yeah, you know, they've got an all-conference guy, you know, as far as the punting duties go. But they're also – I've really been impressed. You know, I guess I saw Britton play when he was at Richmond Hill, and I was real impressed by what a big leg that he had. And he, to me, in the scrimmages I've seen, he's been pretty pretty automatic, and he's got a big leg. I think a little bit of the uh, accuracy was, was maybe an issue – that they saw coming in, but Alex Rayner is there, and then they got another guy, uh, Bryce Christensen, who's looked pretty good as well. Um, so, I, I, And I think they're looking pretty good in the special teams areas right now and, and like what they've been seeing from that group.
1: I know when a new coach comes in, it's all about trying to establish what he's trying to do, you know, uh, from a team-wise. But he's also trying to build a culture. In a very, very short amount of time with Coach Heldon, what have been your early impressions of him As saying, one, trying to rebuild, you know, uh, you know uh, everything there in Statesboro, but also trying to establish a new culture there?
2: You know, I guess I, it just seems, and, and I, it's not a knock, because I, 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 really, I really like Chad Runsford and his staff as far as the people go really good guys but i i just feel like these guys it seems a little bit more i don't know professional is the right word and not to say that they were unprofessional before but you know there's not there's no music going on during practices during the uh scrimmages they did play at the very end for the last play they put some music on and the kids seem pretty excited about it but you know they've got. There's a lot of coaches on the sidelines from other schools. There's a lot of players. There's a lot of big guys, a lot of transfer guys looking at possibly coming to Georgia Southern. They've been. You know, the the sidelines have been pretty filled. It seems like he said it, that he said it felt like a, a NFL uh, preseason kind of uh, feel to it. And I think I see that as well. His, his dad was down. Kim Helton, who has coached a lot in the NFL as an offensive line coach, um, was at UAB with some of these guys. And, you know, and I talked to him, and he just said it just – he feels like Clay is happy. And I think, you know, when he was at USC, he had to keep a lot of the guys. This is his first chance to kind of put together a staff from, from scratch – and I think he's, he's, he's very optimistic and justifiably so because they seem like they know what they're doing. It's always hard to get a perfect gauge in the spring because they're only playing against each other. But, I, but I've been pretty impressed by what I've seen, and I would, be, I would be very shocked if they are not a lot better than they were last year this season.
0: And Josh, that finally—that was going to be kind of my next question: of where do you see this team uh, right now? Obviously, better. Uh, but you're talking about an expanded Sun Belt now with with Marshall and Old Dominion, James Madison, and uh, Southern Miss coming in. Obviously, App State and Coastal Carolina have been top 25 uh, programs. So, where do you feel this team can be in in year one? Where you know the Sun Belt has made great strides, top to bottom where you know, finishing fourth or fifth in the, uh, the eastern side of the Sun Belt might not be too shabby considering some of the competition.
2: Well, you know they were 3-9 and nine last year. I would say when you're bringing in, you're gutting the, the offense, you're doing something brand new. I think most fans, if they're realistic, which they aren't in Statesboro, I'm sure you know that, but I would think most fans should be happy with a 5-win, maybe a 6-win season. To me, I think this team can win six or seven games, and I'm usually a little pessimistic going into the season, but I think that they, that, that this could be a very quick turnaround, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them win six or seven games and definitely uh, go to a bowl this next season.
0: Josh Aubrey, Statesboro Herald, our guest here on 3 and Out. Josh, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank
2: you, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Appreciate it. Josh Aubrey joining us here talking Georgia Southern As the spring game coming up, and we did see Chad Lunsford go from, what, two wins up to 10 uh, as an eight-win improvement. I'm not saying, no pressure, Clay Helton. You're not going from three to, uh, what, three to 10 uh, or three to 11. Uh, But, again, how much better could this team be? And I know coaches use this as a uh, cliche sometimes, Ben, but we're a better team than the record indicates. I I don't know if you can go with that in year number one because Sunbelt is going to be very good, but I do think Clay Helton's got some talent coming in where they should be better. On, on the win column as well.
1: Absolutely, I think Coach Heldon, uh as Joshua stated, I mean he's a guy that's understanding. the look, I mean I'm not trying to I'm not trying to take away what makes young people go. Like we was talking about the music at the, at the you know at the practice. He's saying, look, that's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have it to where we just vibing throughout our practice. But we here to get work done. We installing a total different system on offense and defense. A lot of different faces on offense and defense. A lot of different coaches, you know, on offense and defense and special teams. So let's get used to each other. Now at the end of practice, all right. You know, we can, you know, we can kind of give you guys a little bit of a reprieve, but then at the same time, winning winning makes so that all that stuff don't matter. Like, I don't think a team wins or loses because of the atmosphere of practice. A team wins or loses because practice, they get it into what comes Saturday, you know what type of product is going on in the field. But Coach Allen is also understanding this too, Kevin. At the end of the day, you have to win in Statesboro. All that other stuff don't matter. Coach Lunsford's biggest, uh, you know, uh, competition or his biggest adversary was him. You mentioned from 2 to 10. Don't expect you to go from 2-10, to, to to 6-3, to three, regardless of what's going on around you. Because you know who's gotten better? Coastal Carolina. You know who's winning the division? Louisiana. You know who's still the class of it? App State. You know who you can't beat? Georgia State. You got to get back to being competing at the top level. And I'm sorry, adding what? Uh, Southern Miss, Old Dominion. Yeah. That's not
0: going to make life easy, but you still got to go out there and compete. We've got more to come. Here it is. Three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here with you on this Thursday. One week away. From the NFL draft, Ben, and certainly the Jags are on the clock already. People talking, you know, Aiden Hutchinson and uh, who could the Jags take there at number one if not uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, Evan Neal, Neal, a lot of possibilities there for Jacksonville. But one other thing that's interesting, uh, Ben, you were talking about this before the show, like a lot of these wide receivers now Mm -hmm. are starting to get the, you know, the, the you called it the diva complex, like, hey, you just had a great year and now you don't want to do all the things. That made you great to get you paid, and Debo Samuel saying he wants to be traded from San Francisco. Now, obviously, if you want to be traded, most of the time you want to go to a contender. But I mean, if you're Atlanta, would you take a look at that, trying to get him, or would you just say, "Look, we're not. We got in this mess because we were overpaying some guys. Mm-hmm. I'm just drafting a wide receiver." We're, we're, if you're Atlanta, would you do that? I mean, I, you got to take a good, strong look at it. I mean, think
1: about it, Kevin. I mean, the the, the, the one thing that uh. The one thing that we're not talking about a lot as far as, like, this this Atlanta offense is Ridley. Ridley really made this offense really, really different when he decided that obviously he wanted to step away from, from football. Then when he stepped away from football, I mean, they were supporting him. Then you come to find out he was gambling, and now he's not going to be with the team for another year. And when he comes back in 2023, who knows what's going to be the, you know, uh, what's going to be the disciplinary actions when it comes to him. Debo Samuels is a guy that while he was incredible last year with what he did, kind of like, uh, you know, now not kind of like a shorter, quicker, faster – more elusive Cordell Patterson. That that that's what he was. A like first team all pro, I think, right at eighty catches, fourteen hundred yards. Had a, but while we was enjoying him doing all that, he didn't like it. I don't want to play running back. I want to play receiver. And the Christian Kirk effect. They look at what Christian Kirk got. Christian Kirk ain't never been on no first team all pro. Christian Kirk ain't never been on no Pro bowler down there in Jacksonville, and he got a big time contract. Then you look at Tyreek Hill. Now Tyreek Hill is a top five uh, top. Top two, top three uh, receiver. No matter, no matter who you talk to, he gets a huge contract to go to Miami. All these guys, Debo Samuel, he's coming off a year that we might not see again, as far as like what a receiver slash running back meant to his team. But Kyle Shanahan is the guy that's gonna get a good running back, whether you have a running back's body or you. Or just gonna play running back and receiver, and it seems to be he don't want to be there no more. Kevin, you know, just like I know, once superstars declare they don't want to be in a place, it's better to just move on from them because they're gonna, they're gonna, listen, they're gonna, they're gonna tear the locker room in half. They're gonna be, we're gonna be talking about them now. Whatever Debo Samuels don't show up to, they're gonna be asking, is he not showing up because of the contract, because he don't like the offensive coordinator, because he don't like the, you know, how they're using him, and so on and so forth. But yes, if you are Atlanta, you definitely give him a call. Now, we'll say this. I don't know how much of a call is going to last because you ain't got no money. Like, it ain't like Atlanta got <laughs> yeah, no but it's brand. Yeah, but it's a trade, so but, you yeah, can give I, up. But I think, I think in a trade, I think you possibly could get a guy like Debo. Let's face it, man. Do I think Debo Samuels played out of his mind last year? Yeah. Do I think that 2021 was like a flash in the pan? Could be. Because Kyle Shanahan, he can call plays. Like, make no mistake about it. Like, Kyle Shanahan is masterful at calling plays. How do I know? Jim Garoppolo went to a Super Bowl. So say what you want about Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan should have won both Super Bowls he was in. One, the freaking Falcons. Just check out of it, Matty Ice. And two, if obviously, you know, Jim Garoppolo can hit Emmanuel Sanders down the scene, Kansas City would not be hoisting up their, that, that Lombardi trophy. That would have been the then San Francisco 49ers. But yeah, Kevin, I mean, you you definitely, Terry Fondo got options, man. You number eight, that means you're going to get seven
0: guys now go in front of you, but we will see. Now, an intriguing option Uh-oh. that could happen is... If you're Jacksonville, a lot of people say you're still looking for that dynamic playmaker, right? You have Christian Kirk. You have some guys that have certainly helped you bolster your wide receiver core. But you, need, you still could use that dynamic playmaker. If you're Jacksonville, you got a bunch of picks, right? you got a bunch of picks. Would you try to trade for Debo Samuel? And I say this, uh, it was announced today that the Jaguars were set to hire uh, Ethan Wall as assistant GM. You go, well, who's that and what difference does that make? Ethan Wall, currently the vice president of player personnel with the San Francisco 49ers, read today he had been with San Francisco 14 years. He's going to join the Jags after the draft. Think he might know a little bit about how Debo Samuel plays, whether or not he would fit. I mean, I know you technically ain't joining the Jags until after the draft, but you don't think Ola there, there might not be a, a an email exchange or a phone call exchange with Trent Baalke saying, "Hey, Trent." You got a lot of picks looking for a playmaker. There's a guy that wants out in San Francisco. I can tell you he wants out because I'm in the building. Might be worth looking into if you're Jacksonville. Is he a guy that will be worth some draft capital to try to go pursue?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you think you you think about what Debo what Debo brings to the table. One, all right, if you get if you get your, if you get uh, if you get uh, Ethan Walt, if he gets in the build, that means one they're saying trip balling. Listen, man, you. You the guy, right? But you need to. You know, Tom well, I think Coughlin, I think Tom, Sean even said we need more voices in the room. We need and, more guys. And that, we, need, we need. We need. Let's let's call it what it really is. I need guys that resonate with the players that I'm drafting. <laughs> I need guys that can resonate with today's athlete. Tom Coughlin didn't resonate. He's gone, right? Tom Coughlin goes to the Giants. Uh, you know, let me go on my rant real quick about Tom because he goes on a he goes to the Giants. Uh, Kevin, the only reason why he won is when he started to resonate with the players. When he got off that, if you are five minutes early, you're late. If you, you know, all this nonsense, right? You get a guy, you know, uh, you get a guy like Ethan Wall. He comes in, right? He knows that Debo. One, he wants to play. Two, he wants to play with a big-time quarterback, with Trevor Lawrence. All right, second-year quarterback. Three, he wants to be able to be a headliner. All right, they got Christian Kirk, right? So you go Christian Kirk, potentially Christian Kirk, uh, Zay Jones, uh, Debo Samuel's, maybe Marvin Jones. Right. That'll be your four receivers. Then you got, uh, then you got uh, Lavisca Chanel. That'll be your fifth receiver. Then you got James Robinson. Then you got Travis Etienne and Evan Ingram and Evan Ingram.
2: And who's throwing the ball,
1: him. Trevor Lawrence? That sounds that sounds deadly to me because you got to pick your poison now. Now Travis Etienne, the jury's still out; haven't seen him play, but we know what he is. Like we we know what he is, right? James Robinson, undrafted a free agent, and earned the name for himself. Was the best player on the team two years ago, taking the away from the rest of the squad. You had a guy like Debo. One, this what you, you got to do to Jalen Ramsey, though. Uh, uh, Kevin, when Jalen Ramsey went to um went to uh, LA, Sean McVay said he he said they had a closed door meeting. He said, Look, <clears throat> Jalen, we want you. You ain't finna listen, you ain't finna be pulling that stuff you did with you the Jacksonville, right? Ain't nothing wrong with your shoulder. Well, nothing wrong with your shoulder then, and nothing wrong with your shoulder now. And, they, and he said, we're gonna take care of you. I think you're talking about Jacksonville, a guy like Debo. Now, if now you getting a GM that understands Debo, who said, Look, man, I make sure I tear that off as a coordinator. It's part coordinator. I'm not playing running. A big reason why he had to play running back last year because the running backs were hurt. But you got two now. He, I mean, he can get you – he gave you almost 80 yards – I mean, 80 catches, 1,400 yards, like seven touchdowns at receiver. And you talking about the load he put on him? So, for running back Kevin, you put him in the offense and the division, Jacksonville could be contending early, man, because I'm telling you, he's still, what, 24 years he, – He he's still in his rookie deal. Like, we had Debo Sam, he ain't but 24, 25 years old, young boys. So, I, I I do think if you, yeah, you you pick up that phone to call him because, yeah, you yeah, you want a Drake London. Yeah, you want a Chris Olave. Yeah, you want a Garrett Wilson. Yeah, you want a Traylon Burks. They ain't Debo. Why? Because Debo is a first team All Pro. That means him and Devontae Adams considered the two best receivers in the league last year. Most guys won't even make a Pro Bowl that long, they All Pro. <laughs> yes, Kevin, you definitely give him a call. Before we have to step
0: aside, you, got, you haven't done it, the whole segment. You haven't done the deep. You haven't done the You haven't done oh, the, deep. Haven't, haven't done the, deep the <laughs> whole time. I was expecting <laughs> that <to come laughs> off from the beginning. <laughs> <clears throat> I
1: know BJ will love this. They'll be like, oh, hold on. They'll say, listen, ad receiver. Out of the University of <laughs> South Carolina. Uh Debo. Whoa. I just can't. Hey, I, 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 you know, that's how you know I'm, that's how you know Debo got me. Debo pop. because all the time, Debo play with them game cards. Like you had to say but listen, Kevin. You know what? But you know who I'm not happy for. If Debo goes to South Carolina, we got. I mean, Carolina. If we got to go to Jacksonville, got to deal with BJ. With his, <laughs> uh, his, Travis Etienne, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Debo, Evan Ingram. But what does it sound like? Is what I say? If you want to win in the NFL, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, ACC, D, Debo, SEC, uh, J- Josh Allen, SEC, Cam Robinson, SEC, Jawan Taylor, SEC, Aiden Hutchinson, Big Ten. <laughs> we'll see what
0: happens. <laughs> we got more to come. Here's three and out. Southern big skin radio network. Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Thursday. Kevin Thomas, Ben troop here with you. I've we'll take three around the corner. D Orlando, Ledbetter, joining us, AJC in about uh, 25 minutes on the show. We'll look at the Falcons and their draft one week out and maybe the best kept. I mean, it's all pretty well kept secrets for the most part, uh, Ben, but the, the Falcons, we've had numerous guys on and said point blank. Hey, what are the Falcons doing? I don't know. Do the Falcons know what they're doing? Nope. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, 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 th- I mean, I, I, they probably have a few guys in mind. But, uh, again, you're in a complete rebuild here uh, for Atlanta. And is it the, it's probably the easiest and hardest thing to do at the same time when you sit down with your scouts and your coaches and say, fellas, what do we need? Yeah, you, uh, Coach, by my assessment, we need everything. So when you say every, everything, everything. Actually, Young Youngway Koo's good. We're good at kicker. Outside we of that, we need everything else to make this roster better. Uh, so who should we pick in the first round? It doesn't matter. Pick somebody. Pick somebody. Uh, that's good. But, uh, again, I'm interested to see what kind of their thinking is. Do they address the offense? Do they address the defense? Uh, as, as, as Ben has said, and I'll give you credit for saying this, Maybe Matt Ryan filled a lot of holes because you were pretty weak last year. And Matt Ryan managed to scrape you together some wins just because he could. Uh, So now that he's gone, Marcus Mariota, is he going to be able to scrape together those same wins? I don't think so. So what's we'll ask D or about all that? It's gonna it's gonna be an uphill
1: battle, Kevin. You know, just like I know where you got stability at the quarterback position that makes everything go because I can go address other positions, but there is no Matty Ice, there is Marcus Mariota. I know we got Alden Tate. I know we <laughs> re-signed uh, you know, Codell Patterson, Mike Davis is back. Uh, you know, Jake Matthews is saying we're not in a rebuild. Jake I ain't never even heard you talk. And when you finally do, you say, Of course you're in a rebuild. You yeah, the bring Bucks, in Lorenzo.
0: The Bucks and Panthers and Saints are shaking at that roster you just. Yeah, threw
1: under, yeah. Listen, like I said. Thank God y'all the biggest people walking around Flowery Branch because outside of that, they wouldn't know who (laughs) none of y'all was. But, hey, man, Terry Fano, go out there and earn your money.
0: I'll be interested to see what if he has any inkling as to what
1: they might do. D Orlando pulls no punches. He does not.
0: I mean, he's like, hey, they're bad. You (laughs) got to get these guys off the field. But, I mean, as he sees this draft assessment, I mean, is – I mean, you hate to say there's no way you could screw it up, but there's really almost no way you could screw this up, right? I mean, like, who would they – if they called somebody's name at eight, (laughs) <laughs> Who would that be that would make you say we got like a minute? Who would that be that would make you say oh my god? Like a, like there's not anybody in my book like if it's a running back outside of something stupid like I mean, I mean, if it's, like, it's a running back I'd be like what? But outside of that, Kevin
1: safety bring him on, corner bring him on, old lineman bring him on, defensive end bring him on. Yeah, I mean like, obviously bring you're not him taking
0: on. a kicker punter in the first round and running back you probably don't need to. But outside of that, like yeah, I mean in a sense right there like it's the fellas, listen, listen, listen what the Falcons? Rate your yeah. board and take the best guy or Badly.
1: trade back, which I would need best available. In, we need, listen, what, what your boy say, uh, Thomas, Troop, what y'all got? We got everything on here, Coach. We need everything. Yeah. That's my assessment. Yeah, my Everybody. assessment is
0: pick somebody. Well, that's a, my, my Well, My assessment
1: it, says we need help.
0: Yep. Help yeah, us. Yeah, help. <laughs> that's what we're paying you for. Have you seen the roster? Pick somebody. Well, D. Orlando will join us coming up next hour. We'll take three. When we come back, this is 3 and out. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. Also streaming live, ESPNCoaster.com, and Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Welcome back. Hour 2 of 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to this hour. D. Orlando Ledbetter, he will join us. We're talking Falcons with him. What are they going to do in the draft? It's anybody's guess at this point. So we'll get his uh, latest, a week out from the draft. What is Atlanta looking to do? And how plausible, Ben, you and I both talk about trading back. Again, it's nice to say, can you actually do it? Especially when people are talking about the softness of the draft. And, you know, are there... Enough teams that would be enticed enough to move up into the to number eight spot. I heard somebody you know put out there today there's not a lot of teams that want to move to two and three. Maybe number one, but the Jags probably ain't giving that up, but not many teams excited at least a week out about moving up to two or three, maybe backside of the top ten. So we'll see if uh, what D Orlando has to say about that. But first, we take three here on three and out. Ben take one, Hawks down two nothing. To the Miami Heat. Are they
1: done? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, Kevin, can they make it a series? Yes. But are but are they gonna win four? You know, I mean, are they gonna win four, you know, of uh, the next six? No. I, I just I just the thing about the the thing about this Hawks team that's very, very frustrating is it's not like they're not in the game, man, but I think the thing about it is nobody saw Jimmy Butler going for freaking 45. Like, how do you account for that? I mean, is Jimmy Butler a superstar? No. I mean, Jimmy Butler has been a complimentary piece since he came into the NBA from his days, you know, with Chicago and with the stays in Minnesota, now with the Heat. Jimmy Butler is the perfect piece for a Miami team that has, you know, they, they got a bunch of alpha dogs out there, man, that play big. Too, but I do think, Kevin, they, they're going to win one, maybe two in this series, but they are done. I think this is a Hawks team that you're getting exposed a lot from what you lack mentality-wise, what you lack defensive-wise. You got to have who, – who's the – Who's the complimentary? people? who's the who's the Robin to a Trey's Batman? That that that's I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, Herder he has nights. You know, DeAndre Hunter has nights. Collins has nights. Bogdanovich has nights. Capella has nights. But it's never consistent. Trey's gonna be Trey. But Jimmy Butler said, okay, I give you forty five. Forty five points means I've given you I've given you enough points for two people, and I'm one man. Who can account for that over there? You can't. Even if Trey gave you 30, that's still 50. And that's not counting his defensive presence. So, I, it, I hate to say it, man. This Hawks team, we learned a lot about them. I mean, if they Kevin, if they aren't done, that'll they, they, just prove that them guys, they got something yeah. left for the team. But you know how hard it is. How It is extremely hard in any series to be down 0-2 and win it. The, the, I mean, yeah. You know, BJ with the numbers game, the numbers are not in your favor when you down 0 2. So I mean, they're going to make a game. They're going to make a series out of it. But yes, they, they are indeed done.
0: I mean, Kevin Herter said they're not done. He went to Players Tribune and said, We're not done yet. I said, People say, Yeah, well, I know you got at least two more games. <laughs> 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 we'll see again. Yeah. Uh, they've had some, uh, they did not play well in game one. Game two is a little bit better. Now they come back to Atlanta uh, tomorrow night. But as you said, you're really going to have to stem the tide in a hurry to get back in it down two games to none. Moving along, take two, uh, Ben Dansby-Swanson. Now at 22 strikeouts in 49 at-bats. He struck out. I think he's the only player in the ML, in major leagues to do that. To do Well, he leads the league in strikeouts, so he's the only player to do that. But he has struck out at least once in every game he has played, and that I think he's the only guy in Major League Baseball this season to do that. Is it time to sit? Oh, if it ain't time to sit in, Kevin, it's very, very close
1: to it. Dansby is a guy that, once again, you talk about being a part of the greatest infield uh, statistically last year in 2021. Dansby is a guy that when he's on, he's on. But when he's not, he he seems that he seems to press more than just – it's one thing to be in a slump. It's another thing to press. He's chasing he's chasing pitches. He, he He's reading the stat sheet. He understands that he's not playing well. I mean, but sometimes, Kevin, you got – like you said, you got to give him a chance to breathe and say, listen, man, you can do this, Dansby. But – it ain't getting no better. And it would be one thing if other guys are playing well around yeah. him, and it don't help the guys around you ain't playing well either. Ozzy ain't playing. He ain't playing as bad as Dan's, but he ain't playing well either. So I think it's very, very close, Kevin. I think sometimes this is the this is the uncomfortable truth of being in the majors is you are a slump away from being, you know, either sat or, or sent down to the AAA to get your game right. Come on, man. Like get out of this. I mean, because the one thing you know about your people that say, well, why are you go down to Triple A? You got a bunch of young, hungry guys that hope they ever get called up. And you get to go down there and work on your game. It's not, listen, the fastball is still fastballs down there. It ain't like you get no, no slouches in Triple A. Make no mistake about it. They are a phone. They are pros. They just a phone call away from getting called up. So, yes, Kevin, if he's not, if it's not time for him to sit, it's very, very close because as you mentioned. You don't want to start being in the only category in the majors. I'm the only guy doing it. Unless this. it's I'm the only guy with eight I million. Mean, yeah, if I, if, yeah if, I, if I got a hit in every game, that yeah, I get yeah. that. But yeah, I think sometimes when you talk about, I mean, what he what he what he makes up for defensively, it still doesn't take you got to be a you got to be you know uh, an offensive uh of you know uh contributor, and it's not there right now. And who knows? I don't know how long you sit him, but I do think it might be time for you know, I mean, uh, you know, Snit to say, look, man, you. I don't want you to get any worse. We, 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 like you said, we gonna need you down the stretch. But sure. as of right now, man, you just
0: need to go back down to AAA, man, to try to you know try I, to get I, your confidence well, back. I don't know if you send him down at this point, but because he, he had a had a solid year last year, I, I just look at it and say, hey, you have an off day today. Maybe don't play on Friday, and see if you can't just clear your mind and start over. Uh, you know, because he's played fourteen games in fourteen days. I don't think anybody else has played shortstop, struck out in every game. You're on a clip. I mean, quite frankly, I mean you're. You're on a clip to strike out 200, about 240, 250 times. That, that, that's not good. Now, I know we're in the age of some people don't care about strikeouts. I do. Uh, used to be 100 was bad. Now, people, you get to 200 strikeouts. You're really bad at the plate. And Dan's on pace for about 250. So, take a day today. Take tomorrow. You know, support your team. Clear your mind and see if you just can't, you know, Start anew uh, because, uh, again, he's hitting 143, and I think not all 143s are created equal. Again, if you're striking out half the time, that's a whole lot worse than a guy who's hitting it hard right at somebody batting 143, because at least there's a potential for hit. There's a potential move a runner. Uh, maybe it's just bad luck, and they'll start to fall. But again, I think Dansby's in a bad way at the plate right now, and I don't see, I mean, unless it's just Marlins pitching, but I mean, I, I don't see what's going to get him out of that without maybe a day or two to say, look, sit down, get away from it for a second, and come back and see if we can't have a different or a better approach, a fresh mental mindset uh, to getting it done because it is rough right now. Of course, it's not just Dansby, but Dansby plays every day, so we're going to focus on that a whole lot more. All right, Ben, take three. Apparently, there's a video out on the interwebs where Mike Tyson punched a dude on a plane, and you could say, Dude, that Mike Tyson guy is a jerk. But you, you watched the video. The guy sitting behind him is sitting there in his ear for a while, trying to annoy Mike Tyson. And finally, Mike Tyson said, "Yo, bro, that's enough." Whap! And and got him a couple of times, and you know made him bleed a little bit. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. No, made him bleed a little bit. And so everybody's calling out Mike Tyson. I have a different approach. So my question here take three. Who would you not take a run at? If you saw them in public, because I'm sorry, I know Mike Tyson's on the on the other side of fifty. I'm not messing with that dude. I'm not sitting behind him, go, yo, Mike. What's up? I'm not trying to make him mad and and, and get him upset while well, we're in a confined space. <laughs> you know, much less, uh, you know, just for for no reason. Who are you not making a run at in in, in public? Oh, uh, Tyson Fury, not messing with him. I mean, you know, he's like he's
1: like Shaq that can box. Uh, uh, Deontay Wilder, not messing with him. I mean, that's another guy. Uh, John Bones Jones, leave him alone. Those are guys that
0: all fight for a living. Exactly. Not not another I
1: mean, Aaron, Mike Tyson Aaron, fight Aaron, for a living. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald saying he don't want to talk. Leave him alone, right? You know what I'm not really going to mess with? I'm not really going to mess with Shaq either because it's not so much I know that Shaq can hurt me. It's the fact that if he really wanted to, Kevin, if he grabs you, what, what, what are you going to do? And I don't get these things, right? You, you wake up in the morning. You have a flight to, to, to catch. Oh, my God. I'm on a flight with Mike Tyson. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mess with Mike
3: Tyson.
1: Why? Because he's not going to mess with me. He's Mike Tyson. You, now, if you look at the tape, Mike Tyson ain't hitting him like he can really hit him. How do I know? Because that guy can still talk. <laughs> like, that guy true. looked at, there's a guy that's commentating the whole thing, and then you see the other guy going back and forth with him, and I'm like, look, man, I'm sorry. No, this is the real answer. It just happened to be Mike Tyson. There isn't a person who is a celebrity, whether you act, whatever, uh, in, you know, entertain, whatever. I don't want to be hassled. Leave me alone, man. Leave me alone. I don't want to deal with it. You don't mess with a guy like, like Pac-Man Jones ain't the biggest dude in the world. He would have jumped on that dude. I mean, you want to get your behind whooped at 50,000 feet? Keep on coming at me, bro. I don't. Mike, like, where are we in society, Kevin, when Mike Tyson can't even get peace? Are we crazy? Are you, you've lost your mind? Like, think about that. Air traffic control or the pilot or the the stewardess is saying, uh, there's a guy in the back getting pummeled. Getting pummeled by who? Mike Tyson. I don't
0: know if Mike Tyson's riding in the back. I mean, it looked like 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 he was in the I'm sorry, there's a
1: guy in first class. Yeah,
0: the back of first class. The back of first class. (laughs) Messing with Mike Tyson. And they like this. I was. the Mike Tyson? I will yeah. say this. I don't know what airline he was on, but those sheets look nice. They did look nice. I mean, I mean, the thing is,
1: right? Because if you could if you could look, right? Whoever he's looking at is a long ways away from him. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how where's the guy filming from? And the thing is, right? The thing is, th- what the guy did is what people say, hey man, you, you think you think somebody crazy out the mess with Mike Tyson? In today's world, listen, listen, let me tell y'all something, man. In the days of going viral, some of y'all are, are really risking life and limb. Thinking you won't get slapped got, in the face. Because the thing is this, he, he was all knotted up. Now, you had, you, you taking a step further. Was Mike Tyson wrong? No. <laughs> he was not. Because people, look, I'm just saying, man, people are high strung. Man, you know, I wouldn't mess with, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Boogie Cousins. I wouldn't <laughs> mess with Marshawn Lynch. He looked like he's uptight. James Harrison. you know, know what has to do with uptight. It's much just like... Dude, will you just shut up what what, well, 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 Kevin, think about this for a second. Okay, Kevin, listen. You, you've you been noticed before. I, I mean, you know, you do radio for a living. You've been noticed yeah. out. But most of the time, it's, hey, you tell me. Yeah, what's up? Not, hey, Kevin, you know, if somebody's heckling you, thinking, because this is the thing. We all, we act like certain things because you're a celebrity or a public figure. No, we all irritable. We all have attitudes. <laughs> like, if you really break it down, no one wakes up and goes, all. I mean, all right, Kevin, you always talk about the road rage. You go, listen, man, I, oh, no, I'm, that's not, true. I'm not in the mood. We're never in the mood. Let me just listen, we want the things we do on the road to be accepted. Everything you do, unacceptable. We ain't talking about it. That's it. That's the contract. You're in a hurry. No one else is. I got to beat this it's like, ah, like, oh, you can. My rules of the road. <laughs> just, just... So all I'm saying is, Fellow, whoever you are, yeah, you're gonna get 72 hours, 48 hours of fame. You should be thanking God you're close enough to him that you ain't getting to meet him. Cause you messing with Mike Tyson. <laughs> you are crazy. That's, to me, I think, I think it's just crazy because Mike Tyson, to me, if you look at what he's doing now, he seems to be like a lot more, a lot, he's still iron Mike, but he seems to be a lot more calmer. They know he is, but he's still like he's he still, still got my, a little bit. Oh, of that.
0: go watch his training tape. I mean, I, I understand like he is a like, calm down, but dude still has a tattoo on his face. Like, listen, he got all, a little. He's still got a little bit. of, Like, I'm not messing with
1: that guy. Listen, all I'm saying is, listen, listen. Go watch. Go watch the first Hangover when he hit old boy. Yeah, Stu, Stu went down like a sack of a I 10. mean, it, it was like. <laughs> I mean, when he listen, listen. When he hit him, that's it. You only heard his. face. Hand make it make a contact with his face, and the old boy's like he like, oh my god, like he hit the ground like, as. why did you why'd you take his tiger? Oh, what's a wham? I got it. All right, guys, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what, what's up? Do 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 do. I can feel it. <laughs> take it with a guy. <laughs> wow. I mean, he distracted him like that's him right there, going to knock him out. That's Mike Tyson. I mean, in a sense, everybody see Mike Tyson go. Hey, dude, you, I want to kind of see him hit somebody, not me. So, hey fella, whoever you were, fella. You're lucky, man. Thank you, lucky stars, man, that all you saw was stars because you tripping. Yeah. I'm
0: not making a run. <laughs> like, no. Hey, I'd like, Did you Mike, see him in Mike Tyson's punch out? Yes. The I was standing up? I'm like, no, yes. I'm not doing that. You know, they didn't just do that in the video game, right? It was like, he had the ability to just that uppercut, send you to the dark side, you know. Not, I'm, not, I'm not messing with Mike. Like, hey, Mike, how's it going? Listen, I just want to join. You got it, champ. I'm good. We'll come back. Let's take three. D. Orlando Ledbetter going to join us. We're talking Falcons draft one week out. When we come back, it's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. We're one week away from the draft. Falcons sit at number eight. Joining us here from the AJC, AJC.com. D. Orlando Ledbetter joins us. Daryl, how are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Kevin and Ben, thanks for having me on the show. All right, one week out. What's in the Falcons' brain with a team that needs everything? Yeah, yeah, that's a,
3: that's a, a good way to put it. They uh, they're certainly going best player. A couple different scenarios uh, could unfold. Uh, one where you see them getting Garrett Williams, maybe uh, one where Evan Neal drops to them, or you know, one maybe where they take the edge rusher and Jermaine Johnson. So. Just kind of playing through all these mock drafts, uh, getting information out of the other cities and uh, trying to see which way we believe the Falcons are going to go. Those are are three good picks we have uh, circulating right now.
1: I mean, dear Orlando, in your mind, which is the best of those three scenarios? I mean, Jermaine Johnson is a guy that obviously went came over from Georgia to Florida State last year to go on to be ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Evan Neal was supposedly supposed to be uh, the the the, the clear cut number one overall pick. I mean, in your opinion, I mean, which one is the best one? Best scenario in your opinion?
3: Yeah, the best one in my opinion would be to get Evan Neal because then you got um you know you got a tackle that could play right away. Uh, maybe on the right side and then maybe take over on the left later on. Uh, you know, we know the issues up front have been, uh, you know, major uh, with them giving up all the sacks and not being able to run the ball. So that would definitely be one, you know. In this scenario, too, there's Malik Willis still out there, um, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. So uh, Evan Neal would be a a a steal uh Jermaine Johnson would help the defense um Kyle Hamilton would be good in that secondary and you know Malik Willis kind of scares me a little bit because he's uh six foot um not real accurate but very athletic could you know dazzle the crowd but you know you haven't really seen the athletic quarterbacks um you know unless you go with Patrick Mahomes uh win the the, uh, Super Bowl there so you know a uh, lot of different things to uh, unpack there
0: for the Atlanta
3: Falcons.
0: Daryl. something Ben and I have discussed on the show, I'll be getting interested to get your thoughts here on uh, Atlanta, who's kind of committed to the, well, I mean, maybe the players don't think so, but from the outside looking at it, kind of committed to the rebuild here. Uh, would there be interest in trading back and trying to pick up maybe a second first in next year's draft where, especially at the quarterback position, there might be some better perceived talent there? Yeah, no question about it. I think you want to mass picks
3: anyway because you get the players on that, that fifth-year, uh, four-year contract. And um, like like we said, you know, they got a lot of uh, things they have to build out. Uh, I know that they wanted to build out the team, uh, keep Matt Ryan, and then drop the new quarterback in there later. But, you know, the owner wanted to go after Deshaun, and uh, that kind of threw that plan out the window. They had to trade Matt. And now they still want to build out the team, but I don't think Marcus Mariota's is the long-term uh, answer for him at quarterback. So uh, that's where they're at. The more picks, the better. The more uh, shots at uh, getting uh, you know good players. You know, uh, you want to stack some positions, and uh, the more picks you have, the better you can stack those positions.
0: All right, uh, dear. So how tradable is the number eight spot? I know people have said, look, this draft is deep, and. Talent wise, there may not be a whole lot of difference between the guy at 20 and the guy at 10. I mean, if you want to trade back, how tradable in your estimation is number eight? It's very tradable. The key is um, if people want the quarterback, uh,
3: they can come up to eight and get him. If he gets past uh, Carolina at six, and you know, we're projecting the tackle for Carolina, Charles Trump. Uh, they, they too have bad line uh, issues. So, um, If they don't take the quarterback, eight is going to be in play and, you know, look for Pittsburgh maybe to come up. The Saints, I can't imagine the Saints and the Falcons helping each other out, but there is history between the two teams in Fontenot and Loomis. But uh, the Saints or the Steelers could come up to get Malik Willis, Um, and they both are positioned to do so. The Saints better than the Steelers. so uh, They may even go all the way up to five if they think – Carolina's going to take them if that's who they want as their future quarterback. But we can—they can sit where they're at and take Kenny Pickett too. So uh, eight can definitely become in play. Depends on who wants Malik Willis.
1: I mean, Deorlando obviously. Matthew Jay Matthews comes out and said, "I mean, dude, they're not in the rebuild." Which I've—I've never heard Jake Matthews say anything. <laughs> and when he finally does, he's saying things that are obviously nonsense. But I—I I get he has to say that if they. If the, you know the Falcons, I mean, in this division, with Tom Brady coming back, it's going it was going to be hard. Tom Brady's is the best player. Carolina may have the best team, not you know if they can get a quarterback. New Orleans is New Orleans, regardless of what the Falcons get. You know, at, at number eight, how how much behind the eight ball are they still? With the fact that Marcus Mariota, as you mentioned, is not is not going to be the guy
3: moving forward for the future. Yeah, they um, you know, they had their meeting that day, and the coach probably you know they uh, the players repeat whatever the coaches tell them. And so, coach is the only one running around here saying they're not rebuilding. So, that's where nobody even asked Jake if they were rebuilding. (laughs) He just offered it up. So, um, uh, you know, it's where, you know, they, they lost, you know, the franchise quarterback. The line's been bad. The defense has been bad. Couldn't stop the run, couldn't rush the passer. I mean, they got too many things wrong, and you can't fix all of them in one draft. So, well, two drafts. So, um, you know, and the guys last year came in, uh, and, you know, they played, but they didn't do much, you know, other than Kyle Pitts. and He only had one touchdown. Uh, the second-round pick, there was a nickelback, didn't even play in his position. Uh, you know, the um, the third-round pick, I can't even remember who that was. So, uh, you know, all those guys got a lot of snaps, but uh, they didn't do much. So, you know, they got to get better in second year, and then you got to get some more rookies in here. And uh, you know, hopefully, you can get some uh, impact with
0: you there with the eighth pick. And and Daryl, obviously, Kyle Pitts did did wonderful on on the field. Didn't have the points on the board production that I think you wanted. But as you said, the rest of the draft class kind of didn't do a whole lot. How do you evaluate that uh, with what we have to go off of with Arthur Smith and and Terry Fontenot and kind of how they've evaluated the draft at this point? Or is it still too early to really be fair about that? Well,
3: I mean, you know, um, at the end of the year, we went back and looked at all the rooks, and um, they got a lot of playing time. Graham, uh, Tyquan Graham, or, or Ade Gunja Jay, Avery Williams. Uh, he's not he um, he was with the offensive players this week. That's something to watch. Uh, you know, he played some at nickel. The Darren Hall kid played a little bit at cornerback. I mean, they looked they they made it through games. They they didn't look out of place. But um, didn't post a lot of numbers either. So, uh, you know, we'll um, just have to think that maybe they'll grow from that, do that uh, first year, to second year growth spurt and get better with more time on the field.
0: And Jay, that third round pick, Darrell, was Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan, who you were thinking of there.
3: There you go. Yeah, Jalen started, uh, had one of the lowest grades in the league. Uh, but, you know, they think he can get better. So we'll, we'll just have to see.
1: Obviously, the Orlando. When you think about this year's draft, as well as last year, both 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 second year guys and the first year guys have to be key contributors because they don't have a lot of money. Or everybody, it seems as though everybody they signed in free agency was like signing one year deals, all the And you talking about look at Lorenzo Carter that nature. Who in who in twenty twenty one is going to have to make a big jump in twenty twenty two and I mean, outside of the number eight overall pick, if it's like an Evan Neal or a Jermaine Johnson, well, those guys are going to be Philly starters. How much behind the eight ball are you when you are already a young team with not a lot of depth, not a lot of experience, and those guys got to come here, got to come in NFL already?
3: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, oh, Arde gun dj played a lot, didn't see him making too many plays. Uh like to see him make some plays. Uh, Lorenzo Carter uh, is a pro, so he should, he should be uh, – uh, somebody that they can count on. You know, you need Dion Jones to step back up. Uh, you know, they got uh, a big defensive tackle up there and keep Vincent Taylor. But the one-year contracts, Ben, I think are good because, hey, those guys are motivated. They got to play. They got to put some good football tape out there because they don't know if they're going to be back here or anywhere else around the league. So you saw there around the Ron Harmon, he didn't get signed. You know, he was on a one-year deal. Uh, You know, a couple other guys, Stephen Means' contract went out. Uh, Fabian Monroe was on a one-year deal. And Monroe and Harmon played over 1,000 snaps last year. So, uh, you know, they got to replace them. They think they've had upgrades there. So with Casey Hayward uh, and either Richie Grant or, um, you know, somebody, or Eric Thomas or or, uh, or Eric Harris, I'm sorry. So, you know, they got to upgrade all across the board. Uh, the one-year contract, I think, are, are you getting motivated veterans, so they, they're not going to be backing down. They're going to be trying to play their best. And, you know, if they're buying, the, if they're selling, and the we're not rebuilding things, uh, those veterans on those one-year contracts are going to have to step up and play very well and uh, keep their places in the league, kind of like what Cordell Patterson did last year.
0: The Orlando Ledbetter, AJC.com, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, uh, Darrell, where do you think, obviously outside of their first pick at 8, where can they improve themselves the most uh, in the draft by the players that should be available to them?
3: Yeah. The, um, the deal here is uh, this is a deep draft at wide receiver. They need wide receivers. Uh, in my mock, I had him the latest mock. I had Garrett Wilson going to him, uh, but I since, uh, <laughs> since I just did my mock for Sunday and I got Jermaine going to him. So, um, uh, the wide receiver position, I mean, I did that because you can come back to the wide receiver position because uh, it's a lot of depth there. And, you know, maybe you can get pickings in the second or, or you know, the third. I don't think he slipped to the third. But uh, there are some wide receivers. There were 12 wide receivers that ran sub-4-4 at the combine. So you don't got to jump on a receiver at eight. You can get one at, at 38. That's going to be just as good as the one at eight. So, um, you know, that's why I think they go defense, go best player available, add a running back in the third round. Bryce Hall is the uh, number one back. Uh, They did interview James Cook and Demir White. Demir White's a power back. Arthur Smith likes power back. So uh, maybe they stay close and get some of these Georgia kids uh, off of the national championship team.
1: And dear Orlando, I mean, if they if they you you talk about guys like just say they get just say Jermaine Johnson is there at eight, and then you talk about uh uh you know a George Pickens at thirty eight, then you get a a Samir White or James Cook you know in the third round or what may have you how much how much of you know really going I mean ACC SEC is going to help you know uh this uh this Falcons team contend because like I said I mean Tom Brady is Tom Brady. They kept. I mean, this same this same uh, Falcons team kept the uh, Saints from going to the playoffs, and I mean, I've heard some rumors that Baker Mayfield is supposed to go to Carolina, <laughs> but they are they are messed up there as well.
3: Yeah, no question about it. The NFC South is uh, you know it's all books right now, uh, but you know uh, uh, you know the Falcons are. It's not really about next year. It's about building a foundation uh, for for the future. You know, I know they wanted to build it. Uh, out like what Kansas City did, you know they built the team. They had Alex uh, um, uh, Alex Smith at quarterback, and uh, then they went and drafted Mahomes. And uh, when he was ready to play, they had a Super Bowl contending team. So the Falcons are all about mass and talent at this point, and uh, SEC and ACC is the way to go uh, for the most part. That's where most of the players are. You'll go see a lot of them drafted from those conferences. But, you know, they won't leave a stone unturned uh, throughout the country uh, with uh, some of the guys they uh, can draft. I know um, we've heard, uh, we did a story on the, the top players from the HBCUs. Florida A&M has a safety. Marquise Bell, Fayetteville State has a cornerback. Joshua Williams, um, you know, there's a lineman from Southern that is uh, interviewed with the Falcons, uh, um, uh, Joe Tyree Carter. So, um, you know, there are a lot of players all over the place, and I know the Falcons know about them. And at some point, they're going to pull a trigger on what they believe are some talented players that can come in here and help them get this thing turned around. they got four straight losing seasons, so they got to get on, on top of things up um, here in the talent department. Uh,
0: Daryl, finally, obviously you mentioned earlier Marcus Mariota, not the long-term answer at quarterback next year's draft, has some quarterbacks that people find exciting, at least at this point. Uh, in next year's draft, and I saw somebody put out there, "Hey, Marcus Mariota is good enough to win you some games. He's not going to get you to the playoffs, but he p- could be potentially good enough so that you're not picking in the top 10. Is is that actually good? A good thing at this point for Atlanta? Um, yeah, I think you, I, cause I don't think you,
3: you, um, you tank or you lose or you build on a losing mentality. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I understand the double edged sword. I mean, once you start losing, it's hard to get it turned around. Well, you're just not going to be good enough to uh, win some of these games. So they can going go and fight and play hard. Uh, you know, he was, uh, I think his record was 19 and 38 as a starter. Uh, you know, just wasn't, you know, didn't really do much for you past the first read. Uh, people got enough tape on him. They started jumping the first read and then, uh, uh, you know, he started running and getting hurt, you know, just bad. So, Maybe a couple years away, he's gotten better, but you know um, usually—that's not usually the case. Uh, so you know they're gonna try to play within his limitations. And, and for the big ranked pitcher, no, you don't want to win next year. You want to get in the draft, but you don't need
0: a losing mentality
3: creeping into your locker room either.
0: Certainly, D. Orlando Ledbetter joining us here, AJC.com. Daryl, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. All right, no problem, guys. Take care, Ben and Kevin. You all have a great day. We'll do. You too, D. Orlando Leber Always enjoy talking Falcons football with him and, and Ben. As he said, look, you don't want that losing mentality. But as a fan, you're also saying, I mean, Marcus Mariota, former high draft pick. I mean, we're not going to be contending for any Super Bowls with him, not because of him specifically, but because of him and the roster he's got to work with. But I mean, is he good enough to keep you out of the top ten? Drafted next year. I mean, and, and that's and people say, well, that's a bad attitude to have. But it's like, well, is it? I mean, I mean if you're, think, it, I mean, if you're it, thinking he's got one, yeah. maybe two years in this team, and you see, uh, you know, Stroud or Bryce Young or one of these guys you really like, uh, you know, you don't want to have to jump up seven, eight spots to try to get them. Uh, I mean, that's why maybe trade back this year if you, you know, kind of see down the road. But I mean, if you're in the top five, obviously you're going to have a great chance to potentially land a quarterback you really like that you know is going to be more the long-term answer than what you have currently. Is,
1: is Marcus Mariota good enough to keep you out of the top 10? Yes. Will he? Probably not. Because look at the cast around so. him. Look at the cast around him, though, Kevin. I mean, once again, I mean, I know. I remember it was a time, the way right? You knew every receiver that, played for, that <laughs> played for the Falcons. Now, you don't know none of them. Like, I mean, I know who Alden Tate is. I don't know if I see him. I know who Cordell <laughs> Passing is, right? I know who Kyle is. He's also the running back. You know, exactly. I mean, and, and the thing about this is, but I go back to what he said, though. If you can get Jermaine Jones in the first round, Kenny Pickett in the second—I mean, George Pickett, George Pickett in the second round, maybe a Zamir White or or, or or a nice running back in the third—you putting together a nice draft because I think what happens is, it it does mean something when I come in and I know I have. It's one thing to want to play; another thing you have to play. Like you're you're playing. But that's going to speed up your learning curve. That's going to make it so that look, you're going to learn it's the on-the-job training type 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 business, man. You're going to learn as you go, take the bumps and the bruises. But Marcus Mariota is playing for his football future in the present. While we say, "Hey
0: man, he ain't the guy." All right. He gets to go out there and try to prove it. We got more to come. We'll continue to break down what D Orlando had to say when we return. It's 3 and out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here on this Thursday Kevin Thomas ben Troop on 3 and out D Orlando breaking it down. Uh, with us there on the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, and Ben, you kind of touched on it there. Best player available, he said, Jermaine Johnson out of uh, Florida State via Georgia. Maybe a wide receiver in the second round of which there should still be plenty. And a running back in the third round of which there should be plenty. I, I think if you have a mock draft with two UGA guys going to the Falcons, history would say that's probably not going to happen. Uh, just because for whatever reason, the Falcons haven't done that, but... That would be the makings of a nice draft, as you said, where you have addressed problem areas, which there are plenty, with guys that you know can play, or at least in the case of Zemir Wright, has played in a, I mean, anymore in the NFL. He's played in a system where it was Zamir. You are a big power back, but you weren't necessarily the back. It was you. James Cook got a little bit. You had, you know, uh, Kenny McIntosh getting a little bit. When you come to the NFL, we want you to be on the field. But guess what? You know, Correll Patterson might be in there on third down to catch a pass. We you might be a situational back, which I think in college football we're seeing more and more of just so guys don't get worn down, guys don't take as many hits. That's not a bad thing, and I think if you can get a running back like that in round three and get a big power back that Arthur Smith likes, that'd be a nice offset. Because obviously Mike Davis did not play the power back role very well. I mean, I know the blocking wasn't great uh, either, but... Did not play that role very well for Atlanta last year. Yeah, and I think you said it when you
1: talk about being a situational player. Every player in the NFL is a situational player. Some guys just get to be, you know, on the field a little bit more. I mean, I mean, what the, the old lineman and the quarterback is not coming off the field. If you talk about the running back position for, for uh, you know, for the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, since Michael Burner Turner left, it's been a little, been a little bleak, because because that was the last time you had really a bell cow type type running back. I mean, you know, you know, Devonta Freeman. I mean, he was he wasn't bad. According to his contract, yeah. Now he got that contract. I'm not saying he was a different player, but he has a, you know, outside that commercial he used to be on every freaking day, you ain't seen much of Devonta Freeman. I do think, Kevin, when you talk about what a guy like Zamir White, what a guy like James Cook, you know, what those, you know, uh, you know, I think those guys bring to the table is they're young, they're hungry, and they're not beat up. I think when you look at what Atlanta wants to do, they want to run the football. They want to run in between the tackles. They want to be able to move the chains on third down. They want to take the ball out of Marcus Mariota, hand on third down, because you want to go from, unless it's third and manageable. Now, the one thing Marcus Mariota brings to the table is, I mean, he's a dual threat quarterback, so you can't get him out there on the perimeter, but every time he runs the football, he's making himself susceptible to getting hurt. And who's the backup? Well, McElroy. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i sorry. Uh, is it McElroy? I think so it's Owen Felipe. Felipe Franks, um, I, I, so I, 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 just think that when you look at what this Faculty team need, yes, and they give
0: Josh Rosen another run. Yeah,
1: yeah, Josh Rosen. Maybe you know, he's Felipe, on to his uh, 15,
0: s- fifth, fifth or sixty. Yeah, however many. It is. Yeah, he's trying. He's yeah, he's he's on the Ryan Fitzpatrick. You get I'm like a play. special decal a, if you play for all thirty-two teams. Listen, man, you know how many times <laughs> that
1: boy walked through the facility like, "It's a coach, man. I'm not a coach." Oh, what's your name? Josh. Josh Rosen. Yeah. This man was what tenth, eleventh pick. He's been on a different yeah. team every year. I remember when Josh Rosen came out. People said the narrative was you're gonna have to make the uh, you're gonna have to make the playbook a lot more intensive because he he can get bored with it. I'm like, look, well, he's look. learned a lot
0: of them. No, oh, he
1: has. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, he really has. He, he's been around, and I think I think too though, you know, this Falcons team. Okay, I mean, Kevin, you say that if you're not expected to contend, right? Which is no, but place you can't. I know. I realize you can't come
0: out there and say that, but behind yeah, closed yeah, yeah, doors. Yeah. You, you can't tell me well, that well, well. Terry Fontenot hasn't gone to somebody in that staff and go, fellas, there's only so much we can do. We're not going to be good. Like, I mean, there's only, so, you know what I mean? It's like we have no money. We got rid of Matt Ryan. We're playing a quarterback that nobody necessarily wanted a season ago. I mean, you have to be able to look. I, again, publicly, hey, season tickets, baby. We're, we're out there trying to win. Behind closed doors, you got to be looking at it going, look, we can only do so much to fill all the holes that we have. There's no possible way. You're going to contend right now. You got to rebuild this thing. Yeah. And look, this this Falcons team,
1: Kevin, as you mentioned, when you need everything, like I need everything right now, it, it doesn't look good. I think what you, you're saying the right thing to the public. I mean, D. Orlando said they ain't even asked Jake Matthews to talk about, you know, we're not in the rebuild. He just offered that up. And then he goes, and then he gets done with the press conference, and the, and the public relations guys are going, I told you <laughs> one thing, Jake. But I will say, right? I was on a team my, my rookie year that had a bunch of young guys. I was on my. my you know, my second year, it was a bunch of young guys. It's hard to win, even if you got young talent. But hopefully, you know, you're getting a guy in Arthur Smith. Once again, he's still trying to win over the locker room. We forget about that. Terry Fontenot, a guy who built everything you know and love in New Orleans for 18 years. So you got two guys that seem to want to work together. A guy you trust to get the team, a guy you trust to coach the team and Arthur Smith. But as you mentioned, Kevin, I mean, a lot of these guys come from winning programs. They bring in winning attitudes. And that's great. That's great. But the NFL is a different league, yeah. man. It's a, it's, a, it's a different monster. I do think Marcus Mariota gives you the best opportunity. When well, you talk about a guy that's trying to have a resurgence in his in his career, Cordell Patterson wanted to be a Falcon because nobody else was going to be willing to give him the contract he wanted, having a banner year he had last year. Kyle Pitts is what you can build around. Jermaine Johnson, George Pickens, or a big time receiver, maybe like a maybe like a big time running back. And you add depth. It's gonna look good on paper, but yeah. you, but you know when the rubber meets the road, you're gonna have to go out there and
0: compete. Look, I'm not advocating for stinking in the locker room. Like I, I, I that I, I, I get, but you can't tell me that the front office is like, look, man, we're gonna be bad. And, oh yeah, oh yeah. And, and look, and it is like it's it might not be the worst thing if Marcus only wins four games. Like I, that's all I'm saying. Uh, but again, he's, he's one of those players that's I think uh, I don't know if, if they're like tweener guys, but he's good enough to not get you in the top ten, but probably. Not good enough to get you into the playoffs and make a deep run. At the, I mean, I know he had some playoff highlights, but again, what did the Titans do with him at, at quarterback? Yeah. I mean, so I I think that's one of those things where like he might be good I mean, the enough. Fact, get, the fact they got rid of you and they got Ryan Tannehill, woo!
1: All I've seen. end ended on that note. And, okay. and, oh, well, Kevin, this is another thing, yeah. too. He was the number two pick in that draft. Who's the number one pick? Oh, that would be James Winston. Who plays for who? Uh, the Saints so It's in what? The same division. So both guys. Yeah. Number one, number two of our people are fighting for their NFL lives. The difference is one has a good team around him. The other has a bunch of guys
0: around him. Where you have got to try to figure we're, this we're out. We're trying to stay uh, in their present roles uh, in the league. we got more to come. Three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. On your mobile device with the ESPN app. lot to come in the final hour. If you missed it from hour one, we'll hear from Josh Aubrey. Uh, Statesboro Herald, we're talking Georgia Southern football. Also, look at the draft. One week away, Ben Troop. Uh, And then the Braves off tonight, getting ready to head home for a series against Miami. Hopefully, they've got the Freddie Freeman hangover done for, finished.
1: It's time to get back to the winning ways and let the Marlins be the team to get back to your winning ways. And like I said, team, stay ready. I know I'm getting my Christian. Go care on. If any one of those pitches from the Marlins throw at any of the players with the Braves, <laughs> Snit, I'm telling you right now, we are clearing the bench. Because, Kevin, I mean, we good for a good bench clearing one, at least once or twice a year. Let's get it out of the way. Let's get just go ahead and get the If the Marlins want to come with that nonsense, let's get right. Don't get mad because we, we we defend
0: the World Series i like to see Brian Snicker throw hands at something. That would be fun. <laughs>
1: So have to get out, had enough of this crap. He, he, gonna, have, he, gonna, have to, he gonna have to connect because that shoulder gonna be thrown out of place. Yeah. He gonna how you how to manage on the DL for missing it? Eh? Yeah. He gonna be out. He'll go out there and go, fellas,
0: <laughs> for the last time, quit throwing at Roddy. <laughs> they will say, Roddy, even out here, Run he didn't even out here, y'all throwing at him. Exactly. We'll come back. Final hour of three and out. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. We are one week away from the draft, Ben Troop. The Jaguars are on the clock. They're at, uh, at number one, and a lot of people think it's Aiden Hutchinson. Some late betting action that it could be Trayvon Walker, maybe somewhere else. But a lot of people think it's set in stone Aiden Hutchinson going go to uh, gonna go to Jacksonville. And we talked to D. Orlando about the Falcons there at eight, who could literally do anything with, uh, with their draft, make it interesting. And, again, I think that's what makes the draft interesting because we think we know but we don't know and I, we, we did this uh, before uh, ben, we put out uh I think last couple of years we've done the draft we'll put out our top 10 like mm-hmm. here's here's the order here's how I think it's gonna go I think the best anybody's done is like six and that's like just picking the 10 best players basically in, in order like people in the dra- right draft spot. and we did the top 25 and I think the person had six of the top 10 finished the top <clears throat> the, the top 25 the top the first round of the draft. Finish the first round with six. So it's like once you get it, like who knows how it's going to shape up when it's all said and done. I mean, heaven forbid the Jags don't take Aiden Hutchinson. There's going to be a lot of people looking at their draft hours going, what, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's change our strategy here real quick because now somebody's going to be available maybe we weren't banking on. So, uh, again, one week from tonight, countdown will be on to the Jags. And is
1: it Aiden Hutchinson? Um, I, think, I think it is going to be, Kevin, because the thing about it is it's what you just said. A lot of the draft is – like, you kind of, like, make it th- – you want things to flow. If Aiden Hutchinson don't go j- – just say with all, with all this trash talking ends up being Evan Neal, right? Detroit goes, wait a minute. I could get a Michigan kid to go to Michigan, to go to Detroit? Then you got Travon Walker, right? Now we start talking about which one which one of these quarterbacks are going to go. Because I do think the quarterbacks are the wild card because while Travon Walker is slated to go number two, when Jared Goff is obviously the at Detroit, when you can get a guy like Kenny Pickett. I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't like the terms. I don't like the phrase, I think we might have went too high on him. Like, dude, it's the draft. Like, all these guys are a crap shoot. We don't know. I've had We've had certain mock drafts. Or most people we talked to, Kevin, say, oh, while Kayvon Thibodeau is greater high than Aiden Hutchinson, I still think Aiden Hutchinson should go number one because I think he – and while Kayvon Thibodeau is a better overall, he got a higher ceiling than Aiden Hutchinson – Aiden Hutchinson just fits. I'm like, what? It's like, look, pick who you want, go with it. That's what makes the NFL draft so intriguing because you got so many, you got so many receivers. You got, I don't see no running backs going in the first round. It is, it is, it is a lot. You got a lot of o linemen. You got a lot of D linemen, and you got Georgia. Georgia gonna decide this freaking draft because you got a lot of guys coming from Georgia. I mean, Jordan Dave, listen, Nicobe Dean, probably the best player on the defense. Jordan Davis is the most impactful. Javon Walker is the freak, and Von Walker gonna go over all of them. He's gonna be the first one go going from that team, and that's before you get to George Pickens. That's before you get to sign. That's before you get to, 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 to the Zamir White. That's before you get to you know the, you know uh, the James Cook and so on and so forth. So I just think that Kevin, this this draft is going to be very very interesting. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are picking number one overall in back to back drafts. They seem as though Kevin. I mean, with all reports, they're gonna add another GM. But you know they're gonna add the GM after the draft, not before yeah, the draft. Assistant, yeah, assistant GM. Sister, sister GM. I don't know, I, I you know, I don't even know how that works. I mean, do the sister GM get a different offer? Or do he got the share off of Trent balky Who knows? That's why, that's why Jacksonville is Jacksonville. But I do think what is all said and done, Kevin, I think you go with the, the 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 hype pick, the 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 I guess the safe pick. Because here's the thing. How many of us didn't know who Aiden Hudson was until he played Ohio State? I ain't know who he was. But you hear his name so much between Ohio State and now, you feel, oh, that's Aiden Hutchinson. That's Aiden Hutchinson. Then he's in New York. Is Aiden Hutchinson, uh, to me, is Aiden Hutchinson a a better defensive prospect than the Kobe Dean? Nope. Better defensive prospect than Jordan Davis? Nope. Better defensive prospect than Kayvon Thibodeau? Nope. The Kyle Hamilton? Nope. He's going to be number one overall pick. So I, I just think that wow the draft is so intriguing to me because I don't I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I, I be thinking i would be knowing what I'm looking at, Kevin. i would be thinking i would be knowing evaluating guys. And I'm saying to myself, if Kayvon Thibodeau was the number one recruit in college for I mean, high school three years ago, he didn't taper off, packed 12, you know, uh, you know, defensive player of the year, led the league in sacks, I think, two years ago, get the return punts, Aiden Hutchinson.
0: I'm telling you, I, so I be saying well, to myself. People, I, I think when you get into decisions like that, it's like anything else. It's uh, you start talking yourself out of decisions. You know, like when you go buy a car, it's like, "Ooh, I really like that car, man," but it's it's red. I kind of wanted blue. Maybe I can go with this other one. You know, I don't like it as much. I, you know, there's some things I do. So it's like you start, like you have what you want in front of you, and you talk, and you, you talk yourself. And I'm not just saying that about Jag specifically. Yeah. I think a lot of teams do that. Where you have so long post workouts, where you're post combine, your scouts have turned in their evals, you're putting together your draft board, and you sit there, and it's like we got two weeks to talk about this. Yeah, well maybe I don't like him as much as I thought I did. Maybe it's like I find sometimes when you go with your initial evaluation of like, yeah, the initial initially we didn't like it, and then we kind of talked ourselves into it, and it is what it is. Like no. Nope. It's that you, room you, too now. But usually, you know, usually the scouts will. If you have a good scouting department, it's uh-huh. like, hey, these, these are guys that fit what you want to do. These are guys that we have great and high. Whenever you start hearing like the scouts look at this, you start saying, well, I just, I just like this guy over here. Okay, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think the longer with any big decision like that, you sit and talk about it, you could probably talk yourself off of anything and how much. Do you even say, "Well, we really like Aiden Hutchinson"? Do you stick on that out of stubbornness? Sometimes they say, look, we like to Well, quit, yeah, yeah. Quit talking, quit talking yourself out. Well, of it, well but- Kevin, well, hold on. It, this is what a draft
1: room is, though. It's like if you got three guys in a car, you got a driver, you got two passengers. You got you got the passenger right beside the driver, and you got a passenger behind, you know, behind the driver, you know, in the back seat, right? The owner, in a sense, right, is a passenger. They ain't driving this thing. The GM is driving. And the head coach is the passenger with the with the with the you know with the uh, owner in the back. I don't think necessarily there's a wrong way to evaluate players. I just think that I think you got three different views going on, and that comes up in the war room, right? That draft room. I go back to two thousand six. Now I now I cannot confirm or deny this, but this is what the reports coming out of two thousand six. Matt Leinart goes to USC. Only played in national championships. Won two national championships. One Heisman. Won. Jeff Fisher went to USC. Head coach of the Titans. Vince Young played Matt Liner to win the national to win that uh that Rose Bowl national championship in two thousand six from Houston. Bud Adams from Houston. Norm Chow, formerly the offensive coordinator from where USC. Norm Chow and Bud Adams won it. Vince. Jeff Fisher wanted Matt Liner. Now, I was going to end up going with with, with with Vince Young. I remember this. This is when I knew. I ain't never heard this before. I remember Norm Child asked Bo Scaife. Hey, man, you think you're going to be able to pick up this offense? He goes, yeah. But think about Bo Scaife. And I love, love, love skis, love, love V.Y. the legend. Bo and V.Y. both went to Texas. That's the homie. So you asking me about a friend and a teammate. Now, I don't think either one was wrong. But, Kevin, think about this. If you're the, if you're the owner... You want your voice to mean something. Yeah, you pay for everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but at the same time, this same owner, even though, may he rest in peace, we were playing the Houston, Texas, and, you know, he was there because he lives in Houston. He didn't leave. He stayed in Houston. I was sitting out. It was after a game. I'm just sitting down in the chair in Steve McNair's locker. I'm just sitting in a chair. I'm just sitting down, like, like tying my cleats. He comes to me and says, good job, Steve. That's true. With my name, with a big old troop on the back. <laughs> so I, so, so my thing said is. Me like, Do I get Steve's so, check? I, I wish. Oh my God. I mean, I I just I just think that, I just think that that's the thing. People go, why is it taking so long? Because it's difference of opinion. Like, what you see in a good plan, what I see in a good plan, could be different. And we both decision makers. But if you the GM and I'm the head coach and I'm thinking, oh, come on, kid. What are you talking about? Plus you got the scouting department. It's a lot of things that go into it, but then we go, why does it take the whole 15 minutes? Because once I once I give it away, I oh, uh, uh, he's walking out. Uh you know what I'm saying? So I, honor I, Landry. <laughs> I honor Honor Landry, <laughs> Oklahoma. What? So I, I so, <laughs> so I I just think at I just think at the end of the day, Kevin, it, it's a crapshoot, man. Like I no, said, Gronk, Gronk went second round. Uh West Welker went undrafted. Uh you know what I'm saying? Tom Brady sixth round, yeah. You know, I mean, so at the end of the day, while you hope these first-rounders pan out, for every first-rounder that does, it's 30-40 that don't. So, I mean, I give you – we had two Jamal Andersons come to the Falcons. One of them was the Dirty Bird. other one played for Arkansas. And I don't think Jamal Anderson, when the one the one from the one that was the Dirty Bird, was the first-rounder. But the one from Arkansas, when they drafted him, I was like, what?
0: <laughs> so all I'm saying is, it happens. It happens. We got more to come here 3 and out Braves off tonight for Dansby. That might be a good thing, but – are we we had a spot to see the Braves kind of get into a, a normal routine here after just a crazy start to this baseball season. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you at Pigskin Radio on Twitter. You can see us streaming live and comment there on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to be back here three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Braves off today. They will be back tomorrow against the Marlins. Maybe a good time. Uh, for the Braves to get an off day. 14 games in 14 days. Had a question from, a uh, comment from earlier, Ben, and said, hey, take a day off, get momentum back, plus the, uh, you know, the new closer, they'll get, they'll get back. It, it, I think the Braves were fine. It's been an emotional two weeks. And normally, baseball, there's emotion on the field, but when you just talk about games, the games themselves are kind of emotionless in that there's 162 of them. Not all of them stir you up with, you know, I am sorry, the hey, we're handing out world championship rings. Uh rings a little different than, hey, it's calendar magnetic schedule night at the ballpark. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like I think the Braves have been through a lot. It was two it was a week, a literal week of patting themselves on the back for winning the World Series. And again, I'm not faulting them. Yeah. It was a long time. Yeah. Long time getting there. And you as Ben said, they partied like it was nineteen ninety five. Oh, they got it in now. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Then you go out west, and you have the three-gamer with the Dodgers, which obviously had the Freddie Freeman, Kenley Jansen, going up against his old team. And I think that was – you've had one kind of series where it was just go out there and play baseball. San Diego took two out of two on the road against a great team. So I I, I look at this team and say, for all their faults right now, Mm -hmm. I think now's the part of the schedule where you say, okay, let's settle down and just play baseball. Just put all the other nonsense, right? You're defending world champs. Mm-hmm. We celebrated that. I took it from Cincinnati a little bit. Pushed that aside. Now we got the Marlins and Cubs coming up. Just play baseball and let's get back to business.
1: Yeah, and but the one thing, too, Kevin, is that the one thing I always say about the Braves now is the Braves are not mediocre. The Braves are not a slot filler. The Braves are not just one of 30 teams. They are, are you know, the defending world champs. And whatever they do matter. And it's going to be magnified. It used to be a time to where, you know, Freddie Freeman's early days with the Braves, no one's talking about the Braves outside of the state of Georgia, outside of the state of Atlanta, outside of Braves Nation. Now everybody's talking about him. Everybody knows that Ron Lacunha is down there in Jacksonville trying to get back. Everybody's looking at Mike Sorokas, what, what is his timeline? So when you think about a guy like Dansby Swanson, what makes it worse is they're talking about Dansby Swanson in every major media outlet because he plays for the Braves. Matt Olson is hitting, batting 400 yeah, I hope for Matt Olson that when the bats really get going, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like cool off. I hope that he and Matt Olson doesn't know what it's like to play with Ronald Acuna Jr. yet. Can't wait, but he doesn't even know what it's like now. And maybe, and maybe that's another thing with a guy like because one thing Dansby has never had to deal with is being the one, being that focal point. Like you say, Freddie's gone, but I had Freddie, I had Ozzie, I had, you know, I had, I had Ronald Acuna Jr. At one point, you know, I had, uh, you know, I had Austin Riley. I had a lot of guys in the lineup that was really, really they bats on fire to the point where it's like my game is only surging, but I, but I don't have to worry about being the guy because I got guys like we. I've seen Freddie Freeman go in one slump in twelve, years, one slump, yeah. and that was last year. So I do think Kevin sometimes it's that extra added pressure. Pressure. People talk about pressure, but everybody ain't used to it. And it comes in different. It comes in different waves. Like the pressure that Ronald Kuya Jr. is going to be under. He's used to it. He he was under the pressure to not just only be the best prospect, but but, but remain that best prospect. And then he first coming to the bigs. I mean, second year he's trying to go forty. He's trying to go forty forty. So I think that for a guy like Dansby, you sit him down and say, "Look, man, we need you, but we need you up here, right? We need you." To- and and I've listen, I've never. It's hard to compare anything to baseball because I mean. Uh, you know, being a hitter with a with a with a freaking that's the best that's one of the best pitchers in the world. And I have seen the movie, you know what I'm saying, Mr. 3000. When they got <laughs> dropped the freaking bill on the ground and say, "That's how long you like what do you do? that's how long you got to react to hit a baseball. It's like when you put it in, like, "What?" Now to us it looked like, "Man, that that thing like it's taking forever." Yeah, stay in front of a fastball. stay in front of a curveball. So I do think that Dan's is feeling it Kevin, but but I will say that he's supposed to He's like, not the only
0: one. No, no, I, but, no, but no, no. We are not
1: calling this. Listen, listen, Rosario. I mean, you got Ozzy. You got a bunch of friends. They just did You're you got literally a- not hitting your weight. that's yeah, probably not. Yeah. Good. So, I, so I do. I do think that this Braves team is is always going to. Be- and let's face it, this too. I mean, I got to say this now. This is the same Braves team that was beating the Braves off of people the last four years. So a lot of these teams, like, man, we sick of y'all. Like, like y'all, because no, regardless of how people feel, the Braves are built to maintain. Cause everybody else in the division is building their team to beat them. They build, we got to beat the Braves. We ain't done it the last four years, With all the moves the Mets make, with all the moves, you know, the Phillies, the Phillies makes and the Nats make in the month, they still can't beat the Braves. So I do think, Kevin, some of it is, hey man, it's early. You know, they still trying to find their way. Don't press too much. But you just expect the Braves to figure it out. You know, you you expect them to say, man, get in the rhythm, get going. Cause like you, Kevin, I want to see how they, how it's really gonna look. When they put a when they put a full, I don't know, two weeks worth of games together from the start of pitching to the lineup to the bullpen to the DH. Cause I think if they could put it together, which it's it's too many games, you talking about scary. Yeah. I mean, I think it could be
0: one of these scariest teams in the in the big. And I think that's what people are waiting on is uh, you know, so much expectation of, oh, from the jump, it's gonna be Three, four, five homers a night, and it's going to be, you know, just an offensive barrage, and so far it hasn't been that. Eddie Rosario's under 100. Alex Dickerson's batting under 100. Danesby Swanson's at 143. Guillermo Heredia is under 200. Ozzie Albis for as good as it seems like he's playing, he's hitting 218. He's hitting 218. Adam Duvall is, uh, is down there. I think he fell under 200, so, or it might be just over 200, like 211. So uh, you have a lot of guys who really aren't hitting well, and this is an amazing stat. I heard them talking about it on the uh, the broadcast last night was the Atlanta Braves have hit I think 15 solo home runs in a row, and you're saying that that seems strange it is strange. you know who's hit the most home runs or second most I think it might be second most home runs in the big leagues you know what i mean do you, do you know who, what, what team has done that the Braves Wow so they're in the, they're in the top but the biggest difference is they're all solo shots. Like they said, so far, the, the Braves have hit 90%. 90% of their home runs have been solo home runs. I think the, they said in the modern era of baseball, there's only been two teams who have finished over 70%. Two. So you're, you're, you're hitting bombs. Unfortunately, you're the only run scoring. And I think that is what, I mean, look at Matt Olson. I think Matt Olson has two RBI on a season. One of those was a solo blast he hit himself to drive himself in. So, I, I think from a brave standpoint, you're hitting home runs, which is a good thing, but nobody else is getting on base to, to really have those gut punches. I, I, you, you see that all the time uh, in Major League Baseball. Cruising along, cruising along, cruising along. Boom! Two-run shot. Three-run shot. And all of a sudden... The games out of control you're going what just happened and right now those Bra- the, the Braves are hitting a bunch of solo shots and they're not causing a whole lot of damage uh and I think that is most teams will take that you know you talk about uh you know different strategy different sports hey if Michael Jordan only drops 20 on us we'll take that we'll take that as long as Scotty Pitt. hey if if Matt Olson ends up hitting 15 solo bombs we'll take that we'll take a solo shot from Matt Olson versus a two three run shot we'll take Austin Riley going deep solo and live to fight another day. And right now, that's, uh, again, not a recipe for big-time offense if nobody's getting on base and everything you're doing is uh, is solo shots. And Braves have, I think, hit 15 solo home runs in a row, which almost seems like an impossibility to do. Like, nobody's been on base the last time they the last 15 times they've gone yards. So, uh, that's got to turn around, and that starts with, you know, Albies, Duvall, Rosario, Dickerson, I mean, not only is their batting average, though they're just not getting on base. Period, and that's a problem. So, I know I, I was just gonna say, Kevin, with everything you just said,
1: I mean, I mean, it's funny. Like you, you get to going about the break with everything they haven't done or could do. How much confidence do you still have? because, like I said, we ain't even a we ain't even a month into the season and. We've already given – you know, we'd be talking about the Braves if they the worst, which they, <laughs> no. gonna, they, they are definitely going to get it
0: together. Well, I'm saying, like, people have said, like, they haven't played well, and I don't, I don't know if anybody in the locker room is like, yeah, we played awesome, but I think there are only a couple of games under 500 this early. It's not like they started off, like, 1-9, and nine, and people are going, like, y'all just wonder where – like, they're middling around 500, which, again, I, it's fine. As last year has showed you, you can be middling around 500 even after the All-Star break, and then you find that rhythm – and, and really take off. I mean, people, and we've seen it. I, we've seen it time and time again. Teams like the Pirates and others, they're sitting there at the All-Star break. They're like, man, the Pirates, only two games out of first at the All-Star break. Pzzz, fizzle out, second half, because they just run out of steam. Teams get a little better scouting report on them, figure out what they like to do, and it, it goes down from there. I think people are looking at this Braves and going, you're expecting more because there is more, right? You're expecting more because there is more, and you're just not seeing it right now. Obviously, Acuna should be back relatively soon in that DH role, and I think that'll help a lot. Yeah, I mean, bad Ronald Acuna is still probably going to hit 240, 250. And, so. pre- and
1: he takes the pressure off of other people, like even even from a media standpoint because sure. he, he's,
0: he's such a big name, one of the
1: biggest names in sports.
0: Yeah, puts pressure on the opposing pitcher. I mean, like I said, bad Ronald Acuna is still probably hitting 250. You hope he does better than that, but, I mean, I'm saying even if he's struggling, he's still going to be out there getting on base and putting guys in position to score runs. So I think the Braves are missing that, and certainly when you objectively look at it, you really have three guys who are producing for you right now. Or four. Four out of your nine are producing for you. Matt it. Olson, Austin Matt Riley. Olson, Austin Riley, Marcelo Zuna, and Travis Darno. And Travis Darnot doesn't play every day because he takes time off uh, at the catcher spot. So you really have four guys out of nine. And when Travis is not in there, I think Manny is still looking for a hit. So uh, it just goes way down from there, and that is tough. That is tough when it it's four guys, all of whom, by the way, bet in succession of one another. If those four guys don't do it, you're not getting anything. That's tough. That, that it's hard to win against anybody doing that. I, and I'm like you, Ben. You got the Marlins coming up, and again, the Marlins are a good team. I, I don't want to talk about the Marlins like they're going to be a you know a 50 win team. They're a good team. They are not better than Atlanta. No, the end. I, I like they are better, but they are not better than Atlanta. You got to have a good series back at home, and hopefully, this homestand. We'll be more about just playing baseball and less about check out our bling, check out our rings. Hey, y'all want one too? Here you go. We're having a ring giveaway night, and we're just soaking it in. And, there's again, I, I want to say it, there's nothing wrong with that. No. But you can't tell me that wasn't a distraction to it start wasn't. the it season. Was, yeah, exactly. Uh, when 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 everything is, hey, look how great we were last year. Well, that was last year. We still got to focus on moving forward this year, and they've been off to a little bit in a win column, slow start, and half the lineup's not hitting. Well, I don't take a genius to figure that out. You know, if half the lineup ain't hitting, you're going to have a hard time getting wins on a consistent basis. We got more to come here on this Thursday. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here at 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Brave's off tonight, so we got a little NBA playoff action for you. Memphis and Minnesota, 7 p.m. as the playoffs roll along. Hawks back tomorrow. They're down 2-0 to Miami. But the Grizz and the T-Wolves tonight, 7 o'clock. John Moran. You know, what I'm saying? I mean, a Patrick Beverly, Big
1: Cat, Jabba Rat Dad. I think Big Cat Dad. Uh, obviously, they get floor seats. They be right there talking trash to each other. I mean, I, I like, I like any series that got Patrick Beverly in it because Patrick Beverly is a known antagonist. You already know. I mean, when they made it to the playoffs, man, I mean, he had like they had just won the chip, but I love Patrick Beverly, love John Morant, love Big Cat. I just love this. I, I love two teams that's always scratching and clawing to not just be, you know, slot fillers in, in, the, in, in the NBA. But uh, John Morant, great young talent. Big Cat, obviously got it, you know, Big Cat won the freaking three-point yeah. contest in the freaking All-Star. I was going to say, crazy. Ben,
0: this is an interesting uh, thought here. Early on in John Morant's career, uh, obviously he is a tremendous, tremendous basketball player. How much does he need? a series win or two in the NBA playoffs. Not saying, you know, mm-hmm. Memphis is, is has got to win it, but he's obviously got a huge following, but want to win in the postseason. People talk about this. Hey, Mike Trout's the greatest baseball player going right now. Uh he won the, well maybe you could argue over time but for a long time Mike Trout, number one, maybe he slipped, maybe he's only top five. Either way, he's been to the playoffs one time uh and has not advanced out of one round of the playoffs. His entire best play John Morant. Okay, you got Memphis in the playoffs. Want to see him advancing and pushing that team forward? I and mean, really, I think you would see his star status shoot off. It's up there already, but want to get that postseason dub. He wants. He wants to go on a Trey a Trey Young type run. I mean, didn't did I mean
1: didn't Trey Young? I mean, right, wrong, or different, He went from star to superstar right in front of our eyes last year in twenty twenty. People don't got to like it, but I mean, he lost to the world champs. That's got to mean something. And Giannis and those guys, they might be in trouble too in this opening in this opening series they got. But I do think that uh, John Morant. He's a star right now, Kevin, and he got the he got the Instagram, he got the superstar. I mean, he got he got superstar ability, but you don't want that moniker of uh, being really really good, but can't can't propel his team out the first round. Got the guy out the first round, uh, especially in a team like Minnesota, who I think haven't been to the playoffs in like
0: 2017. It's a long time, and we'll have it for you seven o'clock pregame. They'll tip it off around seven thirty or so. Big star studded matchup. Appreciate Josh Aubrey, Statesboro Herald, for joining us here on the show. Also, D Orlando Leber Always enjoy. Talking Falcons football with him, and for all the clarity, Falcons could draft anybody. <laughs> he goes, I think there's at least three guys they really want. Well, if those guys are gone, where do you go? I mean, there's they, a lot of flexibility there for the Atlanta Falcons. If you miss any portion of the show, go to ESPNCoso.com. Go to our YouTube channel, at ESPNCoso. You can get the uh, podcast version of the show each and every day, and we're glad you're making us a part of your afternoon. We will see you tomorrow, 3 and out, on Southern Pigskin Radio Network.